0: Welcome to the Dietitian Collaborative Podcast. I'm Celestina, a chef, dietitian, and total foodie. Each week, I chat with another awesome RD so we can learn a bit more about how diverse our profession really is and how much we can benefit from collaborating with fellow RDs. What up, my fellow RDs? This is the first preview slash first episode of the Dietitian Collaborative Podcast. I am super stoked that you're here. This is going to be a preview of All of the awesome RDs that I've been able to chat with over the past couple of months and that basically you just get to be a fly on the wall for the conversation, learn a shit ton of info, and have a really fun time. So without further ado, let's hit it. First up, Allegra Gast.
1: I tried to stay up to date and talk to other professionals. You know, because nutrition is so broad, there's so many different opinions as well, and It really does seem like research is always contradicting itself. So, you know, try to do the best you can try to find what is working, what kind of success you're finding with your clients. So yeah just kind of stay up to date with the nutrition side as best as you can. It's always changing. And then also for the business side, I think really just collaborate with one another. I think we feel like there's this whole competition, but there's so many people that we need to help and it's not about it's not a competition. I think we can really collaborate and work together. So even if you have people doing the same thing you're doing, you know, try to
2: you know, still work together. Introducing Sonoy Escobar. And as a dietitian in the media, I did a lot of cooking segments. So everything just like uh, adds up to your skill set. So don't disregard anything that you like to do for fun as a hobby, because you might be able to use it to become that unique dietitian that you want to be. The world of media has Completely changed. When I started, um, and how the transition happened is literally, I receive an email, hey, are you interested in uh, this position? And I'm like, sure. I didn't even realize the implications of that. But it was a, yeah. a, a position as a spokesperson with a national brand. Wow. One of the top brands that you can think about. So it was like wow. pretty badass um, little side gig, and I just didn't <laughs> yeah. even thought about it but you know I had network with some people they thought about me they wanted someone in the hispanic market and of course just for me to be um be a fluent spanish speaker that was different yeah.
0: introducing shawnee jordan goldman
2: there's also a lot of creative
3: ways to use the things that you know you don't have to follow the standard if I don't want to work in a hospital then I guess I'll have to do private practice that's not for everybody either Private practice is a lot of hustling. It's a lot of long hours. You're trading your one hour of time for a certain amount of money, and it can be lucrative, but it can also be exhausting. I think this is an experience that a lot of dietitians had. It was like a huge moment for me where I realized that I was doing all this nutrition education and I was using like the world's worst handouts. There's just blocks of text on ugly paper with a terrible logo. Like it just doesn't look like anything anybody wants to use. So I would have these experiences of sitting down and like writing these extensive notes in the margin and like crossing things out and then highlighting, basically retooling all of the options that I had at my disposal until I got to the point where I'm just going to make my own. I'm just going to make my own handout to solve something and you're already halfway there. So hopefully I'm solving a little bit of the nutrition crisis out
4: there for dietitians.
3: Next up,
0: Amelia Sherry.
5: It was not easy. Yeah. So it um it took uh, there was an evolution that really started for me I think at the beginning of well there were multiple elements of it um, but um, During the beginning of the pandemic, I started really having to come to terms with my feelings about my own daughter's weight and her changing body and coming, I guess, clean with those internal conflicts I was feeling around feeding took a lot of, it was really uncomfortable to go there, you know, and admit what I was feeling and also to share that with people. So it's not always easy, I think, to come from your personal experience. But ultimately, like I said before, I just think it's such a great gift and and a great way to really, really, I always call it breaking silence, but really opening up about experience. And especially in mom space or parenting space where there's so much pressure to get everything like so right and to have all your issues like cleared up before you yeah. enter the arena, which is absolutely impossible, right? We can't have it all together. <laughs> we can't even know <laughs> what we have to get together, right?
6: Next up, Jesse Holden. I think even just telling them like and building their confidence up about the foods that they're currently eating because they likely are using things that are quote-unquote processed which is most foods so hopefully give them a boost of confidence that whatever they're doing is right for them right now and they can always they can either always improve cooking skills they can build confidence but they've got to do it in like a compassionate non-judgmental way because I just find like I think that's great advice for any RD to give it to their client is to help their client see like that the more judgment you put on yourself, the less motivated you are to make changes or learn new things. So like learn and give yourself unconditional compassion.
0: Introducing Samantha Holmgren.
7: I felt like I was, you know, strange as it seems given the breadth of the practice I had as a general practitioner, I felt like I was starting to repeat myself a lot. Yeah. And in some ways, that's good when you can go deeper and deeper into a subject matter, but I wanted to do something different. So that's what started me on this journey of thinking about it. And then when I got hit with the really bad arthritis flare, it got me thinking, Maybe I really should have a job where I don't have to leave the house when it's wet and damp and I hurt. I started going down all sorts of paths. At one point, I thought maybe I would be a freelance writer, like writing nutrition articles. Turns out I hate being edited. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) I hate having to change my voice. So that didn't turn out so well.
0: Next up. Ashley Kramer.
1: So I help them make it an option by showing them how they can do it through the information on my blog and in my Facebook group, because they're going to do it anyways, right? And (laughs) uh, bariatric programs telling people that they can't do that after surgery, that they have to eat meat or other animal products. That's not helpful because most of the time people are vegan for ethical reasons, and they're not just going to say, oh, well, it's better for my health. I'm just not going to do that anymore. That's not (laughs) the case. And so I want to help them by providing the education that that they're lacking and that they're trying to find, but they just can't. That is the major complaint. You know, nobody will help me. Not that their program doesn't want to help them. They just don't know how
3: a lot of times
6: introducing diana mesa real talk a lot of lessons learned there about what to put up with and what not to accept as a dietitian, because you know there's always going to be somebody trying to get more out of you than what they're willing to pay you i've taken a lot of things from working for other people that i don't like and i try not to replicate that in my private practice (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So I mean, one of the biggest things I learned about private practice that I wish I had known sooner is that you bring more value to the table and to your services than they can pay you at an hourly rate that seems feasible for anybody to be making.
0: Next up, Liz Lopez.
2: Yeah, that's one thing I love about the dietetic field is you don't have to niche down in one area where you don't have to go in one area because that's the expectation. I mean, dietetics there are so many avenues and directions that you can go. You can truly find your passion of what you're passionate in nutrition about and niche down in that or have a combination of things. So that was my aha moment. It's like, okay. I actually love doing more of a coaching style versus just telling somebody how to do that, how to eat. Because so I saw it was more effective and it got more results. And then I started thinking, hmm, maybe I can do this on my own.
0: Introducing Tara Moran.
1: Becoming a dietitian, I always was interested in labs. But of course, in the hospital settings, we only use like the kidney and the lipid panels. So yeah. when I saw that this course is being offered, you literally go into every single lab, like labs that are wow. kind of ignored in the hospital. Well, Not not ignored, but not really focused on that actually have a huge part of why you may be feeling this way or having these signs or symptoms. So I thought yeah. it was really cool that this course literally goes into every single lab on every single panel. And you also learn wow. about the gut testing and the hormone testing. Once we did the hormone testing classes, I really kind of in love with that <laughs> introducing
0: jen giles
8: For me, yes, definitely. I'm not so sure if that would be the case for everyone. For sure. I just, I was a little bit selfish. Honestly, I was training for marathons at the time. And I said, I need a job that would allow me to to be able to get my long runs in whenever I want. (laughs) (laughs) And not just at 5am on a Saturday morning. Like I need to do that maybe on a Wednesday afternoon. So I kind of worked my training around creating this profession and that's how it happened. And it does make me happy. And I think that that's why I've been in the profession so long because I've been able to balance, you know, my own training, my own joy of, of running and triathlon. And I also have four kids. So I was also able to be here. My office is my home, go in and do mystery reader, you know, in (laughs) elementary school, pick them up when they're sick, all that kind of stuff. Like that was a priority to me too. So building a business around all of those, that was key.
9: Next up, Kate Peterson. I tell everybody, like, I've never had a wasted job in my life where I was like, this was a total waste of my time. I've taken pieces from every single job, even if I really hated that job. And uh, I, you know, I use them now, even if it's motivation to not go back to a job like that. <laughs> That's also a good lesson to learn. But yeah, definitely take whatever I can from all the experiences that I've had and would not be where I am and the person that I am as a dietitian, as a practitioner, all of that, without all those experiences. I definitely believe that. I feel like people put so much pressure on like, I have to have the perfect dietitian job out of school, or I have to have the perfect job or the perfect business. And first of all, those things don't exist, but (laughs) getting that right on your first time I'm just a big believer in like learning along the way. And like you said, yeah, sometimes you're in a shitty job and it's like, think about the things that you don't like about that job and change those in your next job or in your business or whatever that looks like.
10: Introducing Marie Pierre. I don't know anyone who has their own businesses, but like, it just <laughs> became something that I knew that I wanted to do. I think it came from like I wanted to do things differently. Like I did not want to be like a, a clinical RD. I did not want to follow the weight-centric paradigm. Like there's a lot of things for me that just like I felt like I needed to create that position. I think in ED work and disordered eating work, it's a lot of energy to support people who do that. I love what I do. I'm very passionate about what I do. And I also realize that it is, it's a lot of energy that goes into it. You know, like my capacity to continue to take on more clients. For me, when I thought of like sustainability, I'm like, I don't think this will be sustainable. Yeah. So building a team, and it also got to a place that I, I got a lot, a lot, a lot of referrals that I'm like, I can't handle all of it by myself. Being in private practice by yourself was very isolating. Although there's all these groups and all these things that you can be part of, like, they're not my people. They're not my team. We're not working together, really. So for me, that's where it came from. It came from, like, wanting to have a team. It came from the sustainability of my business and then the amount of people that were referred to me. Next up. Nathan Schwartz.
11: Yeah it's funny that you say that because I was that dietitian that was like I always felt like I was like that that meathead that just wanted to understand nutrition honestly like because I just (laughs) love the gym so like anyone's like do this for the gains and I was like yeah I'll do this for the gains and the great the cool thing about going through this journey of nutrition and trying to figure out like oh you know from a performance standpoint now I still you know fell victim to some of the diet cultures like I remember clean eating i legitimately remember yeah. like believing for the longest time and i knew better that like i would own i stuck to a clean eating regimen for a, actually a long time it was like a year yeah. or a year and a half like i wouldn't eat anything like if it was like sweet drink because i was like oh it's gonna kill my gains because somebody on the internet told me and i believed them and i and I, I got yeah it's not that i got tricked but i just kind of felt victim to it because it was really hard when you're like oh i did all these things and i saw like all this muscle being put on, all this performance and all of this. And I was like, well, if I go back to over here, it was a kind of a fear thing. Like, I don't want to lose the gains, quote unquote.
0: Yeah. Introducing Hannah Thompson.
12: Yes, it is very tricky. I hope my boss doesn't hear this because while <laughs> I do love my job, sometimes it is challenging because not everyone has that same mindset, obviously, in weight yeah. management. It is a lot of times You got to count your calories. You can only eat this amount of food. And if you go over, you're going to gain weight, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And we also, of course, keep really close tabs on the number on the scale. And that can be really triggering for some people. Totally. And so, uh, it, it, again, like really comes down to what the client or the patient, it's patients there, it's a hospital, what patients yeah. need, because there's a reason why they're in that clinic. And it usually isn't just as simple as them eating too much. They yeah. usually have some sort of like past trauma, a whole myriad of reasons. And I try to really get down to that root cause rather than just focusing on eat less, move more. Yeah, it does sometimes feel like morally, I'm like, where do I like hang out here? I'm not quite sure. Yeah. So that's what I've been kind of navigating the past year and a half is how to find that balance while I do still have this day job that I'm working in, which I love. But you're you're exactly right. It is like two totally different worlds sometimes.
0: Next up,
4: Sarah Hines. Part-time, I teach at a university. And so I teach nutrition and disease. And I try to bring in my non-diet approach as I teach, because I feel like when I was in school, the professors, at no fault of their own, I kind of feel like they taught us disordered habits on Mm -hmm. accident. Yeah. And I don't want to do that for my students. And so I bring in the lens of the non-diet approach, and I try to introduce concepts like that throughout the chapters that I teach um, just just to give them a new perspective and give them some gray area to to like sit in because nutrition isn't black and white and the students I teach are going to be health professionals one day themselves and I don't want them to take what I say and you know regurgitate that to whoever they're working with one day.
0: Introducing Brooke West.
4: It's just really interesting when it's like, hey, how do
6: I navigate a day where I had to drop everything, didn't have time to eat, and put out a fire for a couple hours? You know, it's just because they're putting their bodies under so much stress. And the most common thing I see is... Overtraining, underfueling, over caffeinating, not sleeping. Like, yeah. there's certainly a lot of cultural things and that the military, for sure. What I noticed was happening is we would make some great progress and then we would hit a funky wall where I'm like, this doesn't make sense. You know, we need to investigate further and deeper here. And then we would do that, you know, like halfway through my time working with someone. And I'm like, man, if we would have known from the beginning that like your adrenals really needed a lot of support and they were burning through, you know, all the nutrients you need. And I wish I would have known we needed to fix some of this gut microbiome stuff. You would have felt a lot better a lot sooner. So I was like, why is this not a part of the core foundation of bringing in a client into my world to work with me? It's like, this is something that we do from the beginning now. Next
0: up, Fallon Bader.
1: How I got to know more farmers was mostly just going to the farmer's market and then talking to farmers, supporting them. And then the key you really want to get to know farmers is offering to volunteer, uh, especially in their like high season in my experience, most farmers will take volunteers if you say, "Hey, I'd love to come volunteer and like know that you might be picking weeds most of the day, but <laughs> usually you still get to like chat and talk with the farmers and people on the farm. For me, that was definitely the best way. but also you can be really honest like hey, I'm a dietitian, I would love to. You know, come check out the farm, volunteer, and maybe we can partner in the future. Yeah, I think, like, let them know who you are and how you'd love to maybe partner with them somehow.
0: Introducing Haley Gorelli.
1: Another area I never thought I
0: would go into
1: is
8: diabetes, but I love it. I love all things blood sugar and metabolism at this point. So I feel like the combination of my history with hormone imbalances and eating issues, body image issues, the whole gamut. And just experience with my work has led me to where I am now working mainly with women with PCOS. So what fires me up is understanding how that feels to feel so frustrated and how foreign it can, you can feel in your own body. Because you don't feel that what you're doing, like you're maybe feeling like you're eating the healthiest you can, and that's not showing up in how you want to look, or you're not being able to minimize any of your symptoms because you just knowing how frustrating it can be and how little guidance is out there for a lot of women who are struggling with any sort of hormonal imbalance or diagnosis like PCOS, that fires me up.
0: This episode's intent was to give you a little bit of a taste of what's to come on the Dietitian Collaborative podcast. This season is going to be epic. It is full of fantastic RDs with such various backgrounds that I learned a ton, so I really hope that you feel that way as well. New episodes drop every Thursday, so be sure to listen and subscribe. Also, this week, I challenge you, reach out to a new RD, whether it be on Instagram, on Facebook in the real world, wherever it be, form a new connection, see if you guys can collaborate and make some cool shit happen. All right. Ciao.